Thank you. They got me, Mike. All right. Thank you so much. He got me, he got me wanting to meet myself. You want to meet myself? Who is that guy? I tell you what, uh, glad to be here tonight uh, in front of you all. Uh, glad to be out here in Cleveland, Texas. Um, kind of surprised me that we came out here when we came. Uh, December will be our fourth year uh, here and, uh, at Cross Church. And we were, from what I understand, uh, we were the 10th or the 11th pastors in 10 years at our church. So a ton of turnover. Uh, but God, I knew God instructed us to come here. And so we are, uh, are seeing the church through some changes and, and, and putting down, re-putting down some roots that were there before. So excited to be here, excited about what I have to say to y'all tonight. Let's, uh, let's, why don't you stand up with me and let's pray before we start. Pray one more time. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for being a good God. We thank you for being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to minister to these people tonight. I thank you, God, for trusting me, uh, Lord, to say the things that need to be said. Uh, to this group tonight, I thank you for all of the pastors that serve in the community uh, with me, and I thank you, God, for the leadership, of Pastor Hope. And God, we just, we just, we need you more than anything. We need you in this hour. And Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that that you say some things to me uh, and to others in this hour to help us to uh, maximize our potential uh, and making an impact on the world for Jesus Christ. And we just thank you, Lord. I pray. I give you my mouth. I give you my mind. I give everything that I have tonight to communicate what you gave to me to say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about something, one of God's secret weapons uh, that's very close to him uh, that a lot of people take very lightly, and that's unity. People take it very lightly. Um, throughout my life and the pastor was, was telling you some of my history and some of the things I've done and the Lord, I've been a guy that the Lord has sent on some strange assignments alright and I'm going to believe it or not getting uh, churches together to serve and work together you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it if I told you but that's a strange assignment it ought not be but it is a strange assignment it's not something that's common. It's not something um, uh, that you see a lot of, and it takes a lot of work. It ought not be that way, but it is that way, right? And so when God wants to establish something, uh, a strange assignment, there are five things that are necessary, and unity is one of them. I'm going to run down the list. You can write them down if you want. But the first thing that's necessary is faith. Got to have faith when God sends you on a tough assignment. The second thing necessary is fight, right? You got to have some fight in you. On that assignment. The third thing that's necessary is funding. You got to have some money to get the job done. And the fourth thing necessary is unity, which I'm going to talk about tonight. And the fifth thing is endurance. You got to stick with it when God gets you involved in it. Amen. And so tonight we're going to talk about unity in a, in a little bit of a different way, in the way of how uh, it is torn down and some of the things that it does. The Bible says that. A divided house will collapse. 
right? And that house, we, we all know the, the story of the three little pigs. It says that the wolf, he blew on the house, and he blew on the house, and he blew on the house, and the house collapsed, right? But oftentimes, the way things collapse are not from external circumstances. They collapse from internal circumstances, right? So Jesus said the house divided against itself won't stand, right? Uh, division starts in the heart and is released through the mouth. Division starts in the heart and then is released through your mouth, right? So we're going to look at some examples of how God, how, how God really took division uh, and unity very serious. He was pro-unity and very against division. And so if we look at, uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, uh, Zacharias, this is the story of God trying to get John the Baptist into the earth. And he goes to Elizabeth, and uh, he tells her uh, that she's going to have this baby. And so he goes to the husband, and he's explaining to the husband that the baby's going to be born. And so he starts to speak all of this doubt and this uh, negative against what God's trying to do. And so I want you to understand something that, Disunity and division will, will bring down all kinds of families. It'll bring down the family at your house. It'll bring down your business. It'll bring down the government. And even in the mob, right? Anybody, you watch the mob movies, and you got one guy that's getting ready to tell what's going on inside the mob. What the mob people do is they'll put a hit out on him. They'll say, we got to stop him from talking. So we're going to put a hit on him. Well, I want you to understand that when Zacharias got to doing all of this talking, getting ready to put this negative speech out, God had to put a temporary hit out on his mouth. He said, I'm going to put a temporary hit out on his mouth. I'm going to make him so he can't say anything to disrupt this unified move that I'm trying to bring forth. So he said, I'm going to shut him down. I'm not going to let him talk. How many of you know? Now listen, in church, we got to know about division in church. This place is full of church people. And there's one place that has to deal with division. It's the church house. Because everybody in the church got an opinion on how things are supposed to get done. Right? So division forms in the heart and then it gets removed, released through the mouth. And so the people come in here and tell you how you ought to put carpet in here. I don't like these concrete floors. We need to do this. Why you change the name, Pastor, this way? And why you do it that way? Listen, I have to do the same thing over there. Everybody wants to bring their opinions for it. And disunity will bring the house down. So God's way of dis- dealing with disunity is that he just removed The Bible says that where there's no wood, you can't have no fire. Amen. So he said, I'm just going to move it out the way and we shut the whole thing down. Um, at Jericho, you remember when he sent them over to Jericho, he, he told Joshua, he said, listen, Moses is gone. I got to move. I got to move. I'm about to do. I got a strange assignment that's very important to me. And Jericho was a big part of it in the start of it. And he told him, he said, listen, I'm going to get y'all to walk around these these walls for seven days. And I want everybody to shut up. I don't want nobody to do no talking. Right. Because God knew if they would have listened. He told him, he said, I don't even want you humming. Because if he would have let them start humming and all of a sudden somebody would have started talking. And then before you know it, somebody would have started complaining. Ain't this stupid walking around these walls for seven times? He could have came up with a better plan than this. Right? And so God said, listen, I need unity on this trip. Therefore, everybody shut up. Don't nobody say nothing while we're going around here. Unity, division starts in the heart and it's released through the mouth. 
sometimes, listen, I think I might have came through here tonight just to tell some of us we need to shut up sometimes. Now, what does that look like for us in this city? Right? What that looks like for us in this city is that, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Hope and, and, the, and the, the ministerial alliance trying to get the churches together. And I think we might need to do it more than a, than a couple times a year. And trying to get the community together, somebody said, well, we don't need to do that. That's not necessary. But let me tell you something. While the worship was going on, I felt a, a, a different anointing in here. I felt it. I know what it was. We had some great singers, but it's because of the unity that's, that's trying to go forth in the room tonight. God's secret weapon is unity. And he will do whatever he has to do to, to maintain that unity because he understands understand this, that God releases his power through unity. The Bible says where there is unity, that God commands the blessing. Right? It's not that it might happen. God, he said, where two or three are gathered there in my name, right? There I am in the midst. If any two shall touch uh, as, uh, on a thing, he said, it'll be done for them. It's about unity. Before Jesus left, he said, I got to go, but I'm not going to take y'all with me. He said, my parting words, the most, most important thing I can leave with you is that you be one, that you be unified. Because where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Unity is God's secret weapon to release his power to establish the kingdom of God. That's his secret weapon. And when people start talking and speaking divisive, that's how the devil tears it down. I was listening to John Osteen this morning. 1987, John Osteen. Them my guys. John Osteen, Lester Summerall, Kenneth Hagin. Them my guys. And so I listened to John Osteen talking about the battlefield of the mind. And he said this. He said that the devil will never physically come to you and physically slap you around or anything like that. Brother John said, he said, the devil's going to attack you in your mind. He's going to put something in your head. And that's, that's the way this, this unity starts, that he comes and he presents it to your mind. Well, what is your mind? Your mind is a part of your soul, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions are your heart. He deposits this unity in your heart, and before you know it, your mouth is gone, and you're telling somebody, speaking against somebody else. And let me tell you something. Anytime that would happen in the Bible, when God was trying to establish something, he would shut it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a time when uh, the Bible says that Elijah, I think that was Elijah and Moses, had appeared uh, to, uh, to Jesus on the top of the mountain. And Peter comes over there. Peter thought he was real smart. And Peter said, hey, look, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, not only did he think he was real smart, he knew that they had come a long way. He said, man, we come a long way and we didn't, with Jesus. How many know it had to be tough to walk with Jesus? Jesus challenged him. He go to places and preach and, you know, people over there and cripple people. And he, Jesus didn't shy away from him. Come and bring him over here. Let me pray for him and let him get healed. Right. And he challenged him. He, he made, uh, Peter had just uh, fishing business, just got prosperous. And he told him to walk away from it. It was hard to follow Jesus. I bet when they got to the top of that mountain, he was like, man, we need to rest. And so he said, listen, I'll, I, listen, I'll make some tents. And we all just stay here. And the voice of God came down and, and basically told him to shut up. He said, listen, me and my son working on something. You need to hush your mouth and listen to him. Right? We working on something. God, listen, whenever this unity, the way this unity moves and comes forth first is, is through somebody's mouth. And God always has to shut that mouth to, to stop them from, uh, stop them from 
uh, messing up the, the unity that he has coming forth. Jesus told Peter, he told him all, he said, listen, he said, I got to do this. He said, this is what I was born to do. I got to go to the cross. And Peter told him, he said, no, we can't let it happen. And what did Jesus do? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he understood that I'm on a unified move with all my, with my father. He said, and I'm not going to allow your words to mess up this unified move. So what I need you to do now, somebody say, he needed him to shut up. Somebody say, shut up. Listen, if it's, if it's speaking division, shut up. Just shut it up. Because God's secret weapon is unity. It's not division. Other examples here. A couple more and then I'm going to be done. Listen. Listen, Abraham. Abraham was instructed by God to take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him. And they got to a certain place. You remember he had him and his men were walking along with him. And he told him he got to a certain point. He said, listen, he said, he said, I and the lad are going to go up on the mountain and worship. And he said, we're going to come back. But he said, but y'all can't go. Right. Why did he stop him from going? Because he understood that he was in unity with God, that he had something to do that they could not comprehend. He said, and if he took them along and started to reveal the plan, what he was going to do out of the top of the mountain, what do you think they're going to start doing? They're going to start trying to talk him out of it. So he said, y'all can't go. Now, listen, you say, well, that, that's a strange example because the man was going to the top of the mountain to sacrifice his son. But he had, let me tell you something, Abraham knew that his son was coming back because he told him, he said, we're going to worship and we're coming back. Abraham knew that there was no way that God was going to have him kill his son. But he didn't need that divisive conversation on the way to the top. He might not have known how they were going to come out of it, but he told him, he said, me and my boy going and we're coming back. Amen? But he didn't need the divisive conversation along the way. God's secret weapon is unity. Division starts in the heart and is released through the mouth. When you find yourself speaking against something that God's trying to establish, understanding that you're undermining the secret weapon of God, and God may have to shut you up so he can do what he needs to do. This is a good thing. Let me tell you something. I'm from, I'm from down in Houston, and before we came here, I made two trips up to New York City, and we thought we was taking a church in New York City. Had, had no idea we were coming to Cleveland. I came out to Cleveland and started experiencing strange things. And one of the strangest things I experienced was the influence of the ministerial alliance on the community. People, people are amazed when we go to functions. They come out and they say, man, they let y'all pray here. They let you pray there. and Y'all get to do this and do that. I say, yeah, the ministerial alliance got a lot of influence on the community. God uses this ministerial alliance on this community. We, we, don't, we don't need to say nothing against the coming together of the churches and the pastors. Only words that need to be said are to support that. One of the things that we're doing in, in, in our church right now, and this is us, this is me, and I had a, I had a revelation. And when I, every time I read the Bible, and I looked at it in the New Testament when they were establishing the church, there was the, 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 all of the, the disciples were working together. And so, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, what, what the, the books we got? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, you got Paul's writings, you got all these writings in there. All of these guys were making contributions to the advancement of the kingdom. That's right. yeah. And so, you know, uh, 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 when, when I started thinking, I, I got some great preachers 
and, and, and that work with me in my church. I got some great preachers. I got outstanding preachers. Uh, some of them teach better than me. Some of the ladies out teach me. Amen. And I, I don't have no problem with that because you know what? I'm still the pastor. Right. I'm the, I'm the anointed leader. But I'll tell you, they, they can out teach me. And so I, I started to think to myself, I said, man, I got to let them teach. I can't keep their mouth closed. I got to let them bring forth what God brings in their heart. And I want you to understand something that all of our churches, though they may be different, everybody has something to contribute to what God's doing out here in this city. Everybody. We are stronger together with every difference that we have than we are separated. So we don't speak words of division when God tries to bring us together. We speak words of unity. Amen. Let me find a good place to stop and, and get off of this ride. Amen. Yeah, let me find a good stopping point. Last point. Last point. You remember when uh, when uh, Jairus approached Jesus and he said, uh, he said, my daughter's at home. She's sick. He said, if you just come to my house and lay hands on her, she'll be made whole. So they got back over to the house. And when he got to the house, Jesus, again, you watch this all over the Bible, Right. Because uh, the Bible talks about the unity of faith, right? So he gets back over to the house and he says, "This, uh, 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 now nah, y'all can't come in. Bring the mama and the daddy and, and two of my boys, y'all come, and the rest of y'all got to stay outside. Because unity is God's secret weapon. He said, I don't need you to come in if you're not going to be on the same page. This little girl, this, these people need a miracle. This is a strange assignment, and I need everybody that goes with me to be on the same page. I'll give you one more for free. When, he, when Gideon, he said, Gideon, I've got a strange assignment for you. And he told me, he said, I want you to go and ask everybody. Ask them who's scared and who's not. And 22,000 of them said they were scared. He said, send them home because I need unity to fulfill this mission. All right, all right. Unity is God's secret weapon. So God cut them all the way down to 300 unified people and destroyed an army of tens of thousands because that's the power of unity. That's what God can do when people are unified. That's what God can do. You know, our, our church, our church ain't as big as some of the other churches around. This past uh, year at Christmas, they had the parade. And a couple of the uh, the folks, one of the ladies is here tonight. She's had the idea we're going to make a float for the parade. And uh, I said, well, you know, as folks are going to make floats, they've got more resources than we do at the current time, but y'all go ahead on and make the float. And she, she just really thought they were going to win. And I said, you know, you know, when people don't really believe in what you're doing, they use these good religious words. They say, bless, bless their heart. Y'all know that I'm told on some of y'all who use that. Yeah. They say, bless, bless their heart. Yeah. You know, they, when they say bless your heart, that means I really don't believe in it, but if you want to do it, I ain't going to stop you. Yeah. Bless your heart. So she said, we're going to make a float, and I believe we're going to win. And you know what I said? Bless your heart. <laughs> so they made that float. We got, and I got on the float in the parade. And, uh, you know, we were waving, and, man, I, I, I said, man, this was a good thing we made this float. And so they were, I think the next day, they were going to decide 
who won, you know, the, the prize. And whatever our division was, out of, we, we beat out 48 floats and we got first place. So that trophy, that trophy sits on our platform in front of the pulpit as a sign of what a small group of unified people can accomplish. God's secret weapon is unity. Is unity. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you this one. You got people and something you're trying to do in your personal life and folks have walked away from you because they don't believe in what you and God are working on. Thank God that they walked away. Because when God's trying to get something done, he needs everybody to be on the same page. Amen? Amen. That's enough.